Hi, this is Emily Trotter, and you're listening to Nothing But Fine Bible Talk, where we're going to do just that, talk about the Bible. We're going to read it, make some notes, learn some things, and hopefully put those things into practice. Are you ready to dig in? Hi, good morning. Um, so this is what I was thinking about yesterday when I was when I was kind of putting all this together. Because I was reminded that, I mean, it feels even kind of weird to say, okay, this week we're going to learn this word and this week we're going to learn this word. Because what I, it just feels kind of redundant a little bit. Because I end up going, duh, Emily, of course, of course. Of course God has this name as well. Okay, because last week we talked about, um, um, what did we talk about last week? Um, (laughs) The Lord is here. That's what it was. Jehovah Shama, Shama. And this looks like it might be the same, but this is the one I made up. This is the one that isn't an actual name. Okay, Um, so that's why it says Jehovah or El, because I couldn't decide which one it should be. So um, it, it won't, you won't see a reference to this really. Okay, um, I'm making it up because I feel like it needs to be talked about because it's comforting to me. But all of these things. So we know that that last week when we say that Jehovah Shema, the Lord is here and all that we talked about. And and even when you get into Emmanuel and the and God is with us, God in the body, in the flesh, even when we see all of those things, we see that, of course, if he's here, he's going to be able to see and hear you. Right. Of course. I mean, what would be the point of him being there if he was there, but not there? Although as a parent, that's something that we can. Well, I guess everyone, if you're bored in class, um, you're there physically, but you're not necessarily there emotionally or spiritually or, you know, you're just not present in yourself. You're present there, but you're really you've checked out. You're daydreaming or you're not listening. I mean, I, you know, parents will say, because my kids, y'all, they get loud. Your children get loud and you almost don't even register it because you're so used to it that you just kind of tune them out. I am willing to bet everything I have that the Lord always hears us and sees us and knows where we are and what we're doing. Okay. So this week, Week six is going to be Elroy, and I will never forget when I learned that word for the first time, that name of God, and I came home and was telling Jim about it. He was like, you mean to tell me that God goes by Elroy? <laughs> and I was like, Jim, not Elroy, but Elroy, okay? Um, but now all I can do is hear the song of his boy Elroy from the Jetsons. But anyway, um, and some of you are too young to know Logan, Jake. Do y'all know who Elroy and the Jetsons are? Elroy Jetson? A little trivia. Um, look it up. It's an it's entertaining. Um, so Elroy means the God who sees. Okay. The one that I made up here is Jehovah. And it's not because it looks just like you would pronounce it just like the God who's here. Jehovah Shawa or El Shawa. 
Either way. So, you, so I'm saying that it's up to you. You can say the Lord who hears, that would be the Jehovah one, or El would be the God who hears. So these two things go together, and they come together from this story. They both come out of Genesis um, and Hagar. So go to your Bibles to, to Genesis 16. And it's a story that you already know because what, um, what, what happens is, oh, wait, Logan answered me. Oh, yeah, barely. You barely know Elroy Judson. It's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. Because <sighs> I still want Rosie. I still want Rosie. Anyway, so you, you, get, into, you get into Genesis 16, and it says, because we all know this story. We all know that Abram and Sarai for, will be known in the future as Abraham and Sarah, And that's a whole different, that's a whole different lesson, okay, when their names change. But anyway, at this point in history, they are still Abram and Sarai. And they have already been promised that they will have a child. They have already been promised that they will be the father and the mother of a multitude, right? We know that. Sarah or Sarai gets a little impatient because she is old. She is past the childbearing years. She's like 80s, 90s. I can't remember what her age is. Abram is also very old. Pat, well, they're old. And Sarai gets impatient. So what does she do? She takes matters into her own hands. And she says, here is this, here's this maid that I have, this maid servant. Hey, God, take her. Maybe what God really meant was that we are going to have a child, but we're going to have her have this child through Hagar. That's how it's going to be. Was that how it was supposed to be? No. So, and Hagar, the interesting thing about her is she was an Egyptian. And this is another part of the story that I just love. All these little tidbits that are snuck in there. So at some point, there's famine and Abram and his caravan end up down in Egypt, okay? And they get in a mess in Egypt because Sarai was very beautiful. And they were like, who is that? Is that your wife? And Abram was afraid. So he's like, no, 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 that's my sister. That's my sister. Because they were, he was afraid that she was so beautiful that they would kill him so that they could have her. So Sarai ends up in a bad situation. Eventually the truth is found out. The people are very, the, the Pharaoh or whoever in Egypt is irritated. And he tells them, get out, get out. This is your wife. You have lied to me, but they left Egypt better than when they went in. They had accumulated some wealth and they had gotten, I'm tripping over my thing, they had gotten servants. So I imagine that this Hagar, well, I don't imagine it. I know it. She's Egyptian. She came. I imagine that that's, this is when they picked her up. Their ill trip to, uh, their ill-fated trip to Egypt. But they did come out, they did come out financially stable, okay? 
preparing them for what's to come, I believe. I, you know, God redeems everything. He redeems everything, okay? Anyway, so Hagar is the Egyptian maidservant. And so Sarai takes it upon herself to give him, give her to her husband Abram to perhaps bring forth this child. Well, guess what? Hagar gets pregnant. Sarai changes her mind and gets very, very jealous. Surprise, surprise. Who is surprised by that? I'm not. She gets very jealous because Hagar is pregnant immediately. One time. Here we go. So she comes in and she's like, Abram, you got to do something. I mean, she's pregnant. I mean, you did it. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You gave her to me. You gave this woman to me. I, it's your deal. She's your maidservant. You do what you want to with her. And so Sarai is very, very ugly to Hagar. Hagar so, so much is so miserable that she leaves, that she escapes and runs and hides. And so this is what we get to in chapter 16. And as you get it, It says, at it, it, the end of six, it says, Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. The Lord has heard. This is where I get this name. Okay. The Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86, year old, 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Ishmael, y'all know who that is? That's like the father of Islam. So this bit that they say, he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Well, there you go. That's who that is. Think about that for a minute. Thanks, Sarai. Got the rest of us in a whole mess of trouble. Thanks so much. Okay? But this is who Hagar is. So this, and this is what this is about, just fascinating. This Egyptian woman, not Jewish, not raised. Well, there was no, there were no Jews were there. This was before the Jews were a thing. Just Hagar, the Egyptian woman. They had all their own gods and own things. Taken in, probably forced to be the servant. Given to her, her, her mistress's husband, pregnant with his child, being mistreated, leaves. The Lord goes to her and she says, for you are the God that sees me. I have met you. 
And God said, I'm going to bless you. Your son's going to be the father of a multitude. And he is, right? So we see this right here. The God who sees. And she said, and you, and he says, I have heard you. I have heard you in your misery. Now, Elroy and El Shawa or Jehovah Shawa, and he's probably laughing at me that I'm giving him a new name. Or he's like, you're not very original. I've been called that for years. Uh, one or the other. But I'm writing it on a whiteboard. So anyway, so it's so comforting to think that in our misery, when we cry out, when we're broken, when we're sobbing, when we are escaping from something, that this Lord, this Elroy, El Shawa, Jehovah Shawa, can see and hear us exactly where we are. Because if we pay attention, I mean, we learn that the Lord is here. And, and we also know that he's El Elyon and he, he's the most high. He's sovereign. We also know as him as Adonai, he is the Lord and he is our master. We also know that he's Jehovah Jireh who will provide for us. We know that he's Elohim, the creator that he made all things. Colossians says that in Jesus, that all things are made through him and for him, and he is in all things. Those are the things that we know about God so far, just in this six weeks we've been talking about this. And just like I said when I started, they layer on each other, and it's almost hard to see the division when you really look at them. And I don't know why it has taken me so long. I mean, I'm going to say like 10 years to figure this out, but they're so interconnected. If you know the Lord as one of these names, you know him as all of these names, whether you know them by name or not, whether you can call out an ancient Hebrew name. You know him as all of these things. Because I was thinking about another, I was like, well, let's, let's find a, let's find a, a New Testament reference for this. Let me see if I can find Elroy in the, in the New Testament. And really, Jesus, when he comes in the New Testament, he is, I mean, he's God in a bod, as Caroline Smith taught me that term. He's God in a bod. He is the living person of, G, of God. He is him in flesh. Okay? So, of course, he really lives into these names and acts them out. So, I was thinking, what, what, what story can I come up with? Can I come up with, like, I'm going to make it up. And it really sounds like I'm trying to force the issue. But Zacchaeus came to me, and I may have spelled that wrong. Um, Luke, chapter 19. Go to Luke. And now y'all are all singing, or you will be soon, because I'm about to sing it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And I don't remember the next part, but then it says, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. I don't remember that middle part. But anyway, and I have been to Jericho. This is where it was, was Jericho. 
And they have a fence around a sycamore tree. <laughs> I'm not sure that it's the actual sycamore tree that, that Zacchaeus climbed up, but I saw it. I drove past it in a bus. So they claim one, okay? So Jesus, and what is Zacchaeus? What is he? He's a tax collector. He's a tax collector. Were they popular folks? No, they were not. No, they were not. And for good reason, because they worked the system. They worked the system. They were like, oh, you mean, because they were Jews. They were, they were of the people. And what happens was that they would say, okay, here are the taxes that we need to collect from this area. Hey, Jewish guy, we need you to get this much money for this area. This is your deal. And the tax collectors took that sum and added to it and then skimmed it off and kept that. So they were very wealthy, but not really by honest means. This is why everyone hated them, and rightfully so. Okay? So this is Zacchaeus. But he hears that Jesus is coming. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, and when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what is lost. Zacchaeus, it says, was a wee little man. He couldn't see. There was lots of crowds and he'd heard about this Jesus and he wanted to see what the deal was. So he came to this tree and climbed it. If it's that big of a crowd, just think about a parade route. Sometimes it's deep from the route to where spectators end. Zacchaeus, this wee little man, climbs up this tree. And Jesus gets to the tree and immediately looks up and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, what you doing up there? He saw him. He knew he was there. Do you know why? Because Zacchaeus wanted to see him. He wanted to see him. And when Jesus looked at him and spoke to him, Zacchaeus was forever changed. So much so that he gave away half of his possessions. Paid back people that had been wronged. And I'm sure, you know, there's a long list of people. A long line formed outside of Zacchaeus' house that afternoon and um, he started having to give this money back, right? Probably. So, there is a New Testament story that we compare with Hagar. And Proverbs, Proverbs are always good, and they're short, so they're easy to remember. Now, can I remember this? No, I cannot. So, um, I'm going to go to Proverbs 5. 
5.21 says, for, the man, for man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. Elroy, he sees. He sees. Hebrews 4.13 is one of my favorite verses. And even though it's one of my favorites, I still can't tell it from memory. So here you go. It's fine. Um, and I'll get to Hebrews in a minute. Okay, 4.13. I didn't even mark today. I didn't mark my passages today. 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom he, whom he must give account. Everything he sees, Elroy. God is Elroy. He sees everything. Now, this if you want to hear... Maybe I'll do this side. If you want to hear... Be encouraged by someone who called out to the Lord and said, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me. That's David. There are all these things. And these are just five. I'm sure that I could have gotten more, but I mean, there's a lot of Psalms and it would have been a very long list. So I gave gave you these five. Psalm 34 is one of my favorites. There's a song about it. We've sung it a couple times at church in the contemporary worship. It's by Shane and Shane, and it's called Psalm 34, Taste and See. It's amazing. Yes, this is the Taste and See uh, psalm. This is Taste and See that the Lord is good. Blessed is he who hide in him. But David says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And saved me from my iniquities. That's what David says. Now I know that because it went to a song. I can sing it in my head. Okay. David, 34. But all of these are so, so good and so encouraging. If we want to go to four. Psalm 4, 3 said, Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself and the Lord will hear when I call to him. He set us apart. That's a whole different story as well. In the morning, five, uh, Psalms 5, 1 through 3 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. David knew that when he cried out to the Lord that he was going to answer, that he was going to hear him and he was going to answer him. I saw this, um, I saw this, this quote. Paul Claudel, I don't know who that is. Um, Christ did not come to draw to, um, I can't read my own writing. Christ did not come to do away with suffering. He did not come to explain it. He came to fill it with his presence. And what we see in a lot of these situations with, with El Roy and Jehovah Shawa El Shawa is people are crying out in their distress. And that's when we tend to want God in that. When we're being mistreated, when we're having a hard time, when we want to say, do you not see this? Does no one see me? Does no one see how awful this situation is? Does no one see how I'm being treated? That's when we want to cry out and be comforted. And El Roy sees us. 
and God hears us. So when we're in those places where we don't know what's going on, where we're so upset, where we just want it to stop, we cry out to this one. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be a, that he's going to fix it. He, he sees it, but that doesn't mean he's going to fix it. Because look at what he tells Hagar. He says, "You turn around and go back and submit. She is your she is your mistress. You are in her service. You have to turn around and go back to her." He tells her to go back into the situation that she just fled from, where she was being mistreated. It's not the answer that Hagar wanted. But what does she say? You are the God who sees me. And she built a little thing and called it, named a little thing. And then she went back. We know that she went back. She went back. She gave birth to this child. So in the midst of our things, God is there. Jehovah Shammah is there and he sees and he hears everything that we're going through. And he may not deliver us like David is saying. He may not deliver us from those things. But goodness, it feels so good to know that he is in it. That he is walking alongside us. And if maybe we listen, we might be able to hear him saying, you can do it. I'm here. I know this is hard, but you can do it. You can make it. This will not be the end of you. You are going to be okay. And isn't that what we want? We want to know that we're going to be okay. We want to know that we're not alone. And we're not alone. So be encouraged by Hagar. Be encouraged by the wee little man, Zacchaeus. Go see what David has to say. See what David has to say about God. About the God that he took refuge in. He said whose name is a strong tower. Short today. Now you can get on with your day. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you next week. Bye.